0: You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast, brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and supported by the Western Weekender. For three decades, Penrith and the Blue Mountains have turned to the Western Weekender. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Here is your host, Jonathan Robinson Lees.
1: Lisa Griffith was introduced to cricket at the age of five. Growing up in Bathurst in central west New South Wales, sport occupied Lisa's time and her love for cricket saw her feature in representative cricket teams through her teenage years. In 2010, whilst juggling Year 12 exams and cricket, Lisa debuted for the New South Wales Breakers at the age of 18. Shortly after, Lisa left the game of cricket. The pressures of work, study and being an elite athlete triggered a life-changing decision to leave her city life behind and restart her life on cattle stations in Queensland and the Northern Territory. Whilst many would view it as an uncharacteristic career move, Lisa holds no regrets for the decision that she made. Lisa joins us virtually for the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Lisa, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Jono.
1: Lisa, in September 2019, you became the 29th woman to captain New South Wales. The moment you found out that news, what was that like for you?
0: Pretty surreal, to be honest, Jono. I um, was blown away a little bit. Um, the current head coach of the Breakers, Don, Thorn- Don Thornley, ran the idea past me a few weeks prior to it being announced. And I kind of thought, you know, with Renee Farrell being there and Sarah Ailey being in the mix, you know, I just thought, I don't, I don't think it, it would be me. Um, I was keen for the role and, you know, certainly very, very grateful. Um, but I just thought no, like um, I, d- I doubted it'd be me. And then Dom rang me about three or four days before we were headed to Adelaide for that first round, where and um, said, "Oh, just want to congratulate you. You've been appointed captain." And I just was completely blown away. Um, and it was it wasn't that the other the other girls weren't fit for the role. It was just they wanted someone to I guess to be there for a little while in that interim role. Um, so so grateful, and you know. I'm pretty sure it was a collective effort um, when we went to Adelaide. I I had that C next to my name, but, you know, there were so many girls on the field that helped out. And I think that's the beauty of the Breakers, that we've got so many even young girls, older girls that are all leaders. So um, definitely just the interim captain, not the captain of the Breakers. I know Midge does an amazing job of that. So I'm lucky to fill those shoes.
1: moments like that, Lisa, do you take the time to pause and reflect on, what has been a pretty incredible journey and a career to that point? Like, is that a bit of a a marking time moment where you look back?
0: 100%, but I think for me, it's more reflecting on the women that have come before me. Um, You know, the likes of Al Blackwell, um, my favourite cricketer and a role model for me. Um, Lisa Stalaker, you know, catching up, you know, I'm able to train and catch up with Midge most days. So I'm just so fortunate to be stepping into a role there that has um, all the women that have come before me have been incredible cricketers and incredible people. So, um, yeah, I kind of feel a bit dwarfed um, amongst the, that company, but, you know, so grateful that I, that I get the opportunity to be able to do that.
1: And the games themselves, as you said, down in Adelaide, do you recall them being quite a blur or did it really sink in when you were there that, you know, I'm, I'm captaining my state team in a national championship?
0: Um... Probably a little bit of a blur. Um, I probably I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so when we didn't when we didn't um, beat Victoria, that was a little bit, I guess, bittersweet. I wanted to I wanted to do a really good job, and I probably put a lot of pressure on myself going into that those few days. Um, but you know, we got a really good win against South Australia. That game probably wasn't ours to win, and in true breakers form, we pulled through. Um, Talia. Talia Wilson played in amazing innings and, you know, it's just wins like that in that first game that, you know, that true breaker spirit comes through where, you know, we fight to the end and we give it our all. So it was probably a little bit of a blur and I've still got so much to learn in that department. So, um, yeah, it went pretty fast, but there was a whole lot of learnings to take out of it.
1: You mentioned the pressure, Lisa. Do you feel, was that internally generated or was that the thoughts of, you know, seeing all those people that have come before you and kind of what what comes with holding a role like captain of New South Wales?
0: Uh, probably a little bit of both. I'm generally like that as a person, but I think at the Breakers, um, we talk a lot about, you know, we fight to the end and no matter what position we're in, we're never, we never give up. And there's some incredible moments in the Breakers history where they've been, you know, up against the up against the wall and they've gotten themselves out of it. So I think we talk a lot about that. And I feel like we leave those values um, in the way that we train and, and the way that we play. So it's probably a little bit of both and just wanting to hold those values um, on, on game day.
1: Was there a sense of accomplishment and achievement for you career-wise? Have you felt like, you know, September 2019, your captain, like have you hit the pinnacle or do you feel like there's a lot more still to offer?
0: Um, I think uh, physically, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but as far as, you know, being proud of the fact of I'm growing as a person and, you know, I, I love being able to give back to the team. Um, I might not be the most talented um, player on the field, but I endeavour to try and be a really good person and give back to my teammates. So um, I've always, I've always endeavoured to try and be able to give back in that respect and always have room to grow. Um, But we'll see as far as, you know, performances go this year, how we go with that. But, um, yeah, I always try my best.
1: And as a leader of the New South Wales squad, Lisa, you know, either captain or not captain, it's still a leader within that group. Are there particular lessons that you'd like to pass on to that, you know, that next crop of talent coming through the ranks?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think... You know, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of this kind of program now for this is my fourth year running and then previously to that a season and a bit. Um and and like I said before, we train with those values. So it's kind of instilled in all the athletes that you know we we've got that grit and determination, but we also endeavour to be real and um and you know think about we we kind of want to pioneer the game you know when people think of the breakers they think of um, you know some really talented athletes that have come through in that team so I think we I think it's you know instilled in all the players there and I've been fortunate enough to come through in that.
1: Lisa you grew up in Bathurst in the central west of New South Wales what was your childhood like?
0: I was such a lucky kid Um, I grew up in a really loving home Um, I had an amazing mother and have an amazing father and sister so um, I had a beautiful family that provided for me every opportunity to play sport to you know um, gain a really good education and um, you know fed me every night and you know so I was a really grateful person um, and really grateful for that experience and very lucky to, to have the childhood that I did
1: when you consider growing up in country or regional New South Wales versus that of growing up in Sydney, for example, do you ever reflect on perhaps how your life would have shaped if you had grown up in the suburbs of Sydney versus the, you know, the, the outdoors in Bathurst?
0: I've never actually reflected on that. I've always just kind of been like, That's, that, that was me. That's kind of the, the, the hand that I was dealt. So... Um, and I I'm, I'm love being a country person. I'm really proud of the fact that I grew up in Bathurst and I love being able to represent Bathurst. Um, that for me is my home. And I've always had people there that have been so supportive of me, um, my family, the things that I've done. Um, and you know that goes hand in hand with the fact that I'm really proud to be able to represent um, Bathurst. So I don't see it as any other way. And this living in Sydney is just kind of my second home, um, if you like is always home for me and I'm um, grateful that I got to grow up there.
1: Is there a particular trait or value that you think your parents instilled in you from a young age that you carry, you've carried into your day-to-day life now?
0: Yeah, I think my parents um, certainly instilled in me I think a lot of resilience. Um, yeah I Similarly, you know, to those breakers' values, I know I've probably gone on about it a little bit, but that kind of never give up, you know, dad's saying around cricket but also at home is just stick at it, um, just stick at it. And I think um, it's funny because I, I didn't stick at it, but somehow I have because I've come back to the game. So it's been really that I've kind of pondered on that saying of his for a while now and thought, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I see a lot of kids now that I coach cricket with and think, you know, um, a lot of them, and as a kid, like same, same thing, like I never had much ability, but you know, I just, if you just stick at it and you hit lots of cricket balls and you apply yourself, it's amazing how far that you can take it. So it's funny how little sayings like that, you know, when I was growing up with my parents and mum was the same, just, you know, she was probably more towards the academic side though, being a teacher. Um, But yeah, they were both just, you know, displaying resilience and stick at it.
1: Lisa, what role does sport play in in towns like Bathurst?
0: So important in country areas. I think um, sport is an enabler for kids in country areas to, um, I guess, become, find their, I guess, a sense of belonging a sense of family. Um, I think it's important, um, I guess, to have something to strive towards and that, you know, kids in country areas especially can see that there's a pathway for them for whatever they may do, whether that's sport or you know, other academic um, endeavours or just anything that they can, that their, I guess, locality doesn't define um, their worth, I guess, and that they can um, really pursue their dreams. And so that for me, I, I think I was always kind of destined to play sport in some respect, and I was lucky to be able to have that in
1: Bathurst. When you look back at the list, I guess, of New South Wales and Australian representatives in any sport, and I don't have the science, the, the data to back it up, but there seems to be a correlation between um, really successful and, and long careers and, and country sports people. Um, do you think there's something, like you touched on, that it, it's, you can fully immerse yourself into the sport? There's resilience that you learn. Do you think there is a correlation between that?
0: Yeah, I think to some degree uh, might be a big statement, Jono, but I think the country people will have to work that little bit harder to, to um, I guess, you know, we're always travelling um, to some place to be playing in big tournaments. And I think you really got to love it um, if it's not that accessible to you all the time. Um, so, you know, even at age 15, 16, my dad was driving me all over the state to play cricket and, you know, that that took away from his life a little bit, no doubt. And, um, you know, but I'm sure he really enjoyed doing that. So I think as a country person, you really got to love, love it that little bit more. And I think that kind of correlates with country people doing so well in it because it's, you know, you've got to love it to be able to, you know, give as much as you do.
1: Lisa, you first played cricket at the age of five through the Kanga Cricket program, as it was back then. How did that first come to fruition?
0: Oh, gosh. So my that come about because my father coached. Um, it was called Quality Sporting Services in Orange. And they held camps um, with the famous Carl Sharp out at Kinross Walloware, who um, recently has passed away. I was a few years ago now. So... Um, Yeah, Carl used to run these amazing camps um, in in Orange and they were cricket camps and he ran other sporting camps as well. And it was for kids all over New South Wales and beyond to come to this camp and have access to coaches that they may not normally have access to. So he had kids from Broken Hill, both boys and girls come to these camps um, and all areas of New South Wales, but as far out as Broken Hill and have access to really quality coaches. Um, and so dad used to coach at that because he was a cricketer. And so I just kind of went along and um, participated and um, annoyed everyone, no doubt. And yeah, it just kind of kicked off from there, you know, dad kind of probably had the son he never got. And um, yeah, my cricketing career kind of kicked off from that moment, um, all because of the quality sporting services um, camps.
1: Do you recall that feeling, Lisa, when you first kind of had bat in hand or bowling the ball? Was there a certain uh, emotion that you look back and, and feel from those days?
0: Uh, I think I alluded to it previously. I I was never very talented as a kid. I just I was I was never the standout. It was always you know I was just I I always remember I had to train a lot to to be to kind of get where I am today. I guess. And I have dad to thank for that, but I do remember. I guess I don't remember the first time I threw a ball. I held a bat because probably because it wasn't a pleasant experience for anyone involved, but uh, or maybe the bowler. But um, I I do remember when things started started to click, um, and that being rewarding. And I do remember um, how rewarding it was when I applied myself, and then you know was rewarded through, you know, maybe taking a few wickets or scratching out a few runs here and there and the, you know, wanting to do that again and again and again. That's where that love of cricket started to really grow.
1: For me, Lisa, on a personal level, my older sister was one of the first girls to ever play for the Springwood Cricket Club. And actually that's what sparked my interest in the game. But she she came across challenges, you know, being one of two girls and a team of teenage boys. How did you overcome that gender challenge through those, you know, early junior cricketing years?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation, Jono, and I love hearing that. I love hearing especially um, your sister's older than me. So hearing women come before me who've probably come through some more um, not as inclusive times as what we have now. I've been certainly really fortunate that I've come through clubs in Bathurst where... um, it's been quite gender inclusive, and I've been fortunate enough to be really welcomed into that side. Um, I know that there's some females out there that certainly haven't had that experience, um, and heaven forbid that still continues. Um, but I was certainly welcomed into a bath into you know a boys' club, and then you know a men's club in Bathurst, um, the Centennial Bulls or Oxford that really um, allowed me to feel included and most importantly, didn't really treat me any differently because I was a female. And I think that's so important for young girls, especially or of any gender to come through and just feel like part of the team and just another teammate because that's your experience with playing sport is that you're all just teammates doesn't matter your gender or the colour of your skin or your religion or, you know, any kind of background that you've got. You just share this passion of cricket. And I think that's why I do love the sport so much because my, um, my experience with it has been so positive.
1: You mentioned uh, Alex Blackwell, Lisa Stalaker before. As a junior cricketer, were there any other cricket idols that you looked up to in the game?
0: So it's funny, when I grew up, my role models were always males because that's who I mostly watched on the TV. So the likes of Brett Lee, um, Matthew Hayden, Michael Hussey, you know, those were the men on TV that I just adored. Um, And then, you know, after that, it was when I started to see that females, you know, on the television or um, around the games, you know, able to go and watch some games... It was our black world. It was your Lisa to It was your Elise Perry's, your Elisa Healey's. Um, and just especially probably, um, you know, Elise and Elisa, because I guess they're more my age and they were probably, you know, so talented, but they just created this brand of cricket that I went, you know, I can do that. They're my age and I can really um, make a go of this. So... Yeah, so fortunate now that, you know, there's young girls and actually young boys that come to our WBBL games and they run up to us and they go, my favourite cricketer, and some of the young boys might even say female. And it's so nice for me to hear those that kind of thing because, you know, that's changed. For me, I only thought, you know, boys played on TV and I only had, you know, these men to watch. And now both genders can watch both genders, and I think that's so important to create that gender inclusiveness. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media.
1: For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's The Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, The Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. And through your teenage years, Lacey, did you envisage cricket as a career option like you spoke about a few of those players who were kind of revolutionising the game but did you see that as a path you wanted to chase?
0: I've always known since being a young girl that I wanted to play for Australia but that never correlated with kind of making money I don't know if that's just being young or perhaps being female you just you don't kind of align the two Um, but certainly as I've gotten older, it's become more of an opportunity to make money from cricket and see it as a career, um, which is amazing. And I can't wait to see the, you know, the burst in female numbers over the coming years, because it's an opportunity um, for them to um, make money and do the things that they love, which is so important. Um, So I probably didn't as a very young girl. I knew I wanted to play for Australia and get that elusive kind of, you know, baggy green or, you know don the green and gold that kind of thing and um, I haven't gotten there (laughs) nor may I ever but you know I'll always chase that and I always remember that that was the epitome of my you know sorry the pinnacle of my sport. Do
1: you think that modern day athletes Lisa have perhaps lost that real uh, intricate passion and drive like you spoke about wanting to play for Australia and It wasn't about the money. But do you think, generally speaking, the way sport and commercialisation has gone, that people are more interested in forging a career and setting themselves up financially than hitting those real personal goals?
0: My experience with that is uh, no. I've seen, I think there's so much demand on athletes now that it's, I mean, I come from a very different perspective in the females is that we've only just hit professional sporting um, endeavours, I guess. So I'm only classified as a professional part-time athlete, um, even though I would say that I probably train a lot more than that. Now, I couldn't come from the perspective of my male counterpart who probably gets a lot more money than me, but I just think the demand on players now, even those players that get that big dollar... Um, what comes with that is often, you know, pretty demanding, I have no doubt, you know, the social aspect of it, all the behind the scenes stuff that you don't see and the pressure of that, you know, pay bracket, I think would be really demanding. So I think, once again, like being a country sports person, you've really got to love it. And you've really got to go that extra mile, if you do get paid that amount um so that would be my perspective on it and i've certainly haven't come across many athletes at all that don't love the game because of the money they love the game because of the game um, but yeah really interesting question and you know it would be interesting to ask that to a few of my male counterparts and see if the answer is any different
1: you talk about kind of that added commitment being a sports person from the country, throughout your underage representative teams, and you touch on the travel that you and your dad did, like do you look back fondly on those times or was it a bit of a burden? You know, you think you're literally travelling around all around New South Wales or were you really just able to lap it up and immerse yourself into the experience?
0: Well, I was passed out on the passenger seat, so my, my perspective of um, that driving all around New South Wales is probably a lot different to my dad's. Um, I certainly got a feel for it when I eventually got my L's at 16 and (laughs) learnt that there's actually a lot more to this than um, I've given Dad credit for. But I think now that I've gotten older and and realised how much there is to it, um, I've certainly appreciated what Dad put in for me and I I have no doubt there was days where he was run off his feet just by, you know, tripping me all around the state and then even interstate. So um, I'm so grateful for him and even my mother, you know, throughout... Um, My junior year, same same deal. I just, and you you really appreciate as I've gotten older, I realise the immensity of, you know, not necessarily the burden I was because I knew that he loved and is proud of what I've done. But, you know, all those dollars and all that petrol and all that time and that, you know, that would take a toll. Um, And so hopefully one day in the future when I have children, I'm sure I'll get an even greater appreciation when I'm, hopefully tripping them around with sport and,
1: um, yeah,
0: or whatever their endeavours may be.
1: And your dad, as you said, is a cricket coach as well. Was he quite involved in terms of, you know, giving you tips and advice on those long trips or was he happy to leave you to your own devices?
0: Yeah, so dad was very involved um, or has been very involved in my career. Um, Dad basically coached me from a really young age and i mean that can have its pitfalls but i think i'm not i wouldn't be playing for the breakers at the moment if it wasn't for my father and you know the wisdom he um passed on to me and you know the coaching just the the absolutely amazing coaching that was facilitated by him i just would i wouldn't be here today um in sydney today so yeah it it can have its downfalls you know I um I'm I'm off I often felt like if I didn't perform you know that he would take that hard um but as as I've gotten older I've realized that you know it's just because he wanted the best for me and it was um you know he wanted me to to do well and you know it all come from a place of love so um it's funny now you know we don't we don't talk that much cricket, you know, he will ask a few questions and see how things are going and if I'm happy and we, go and, we still go and have a hit occasionally but it's, not, um, it's definitely not like it was and it's just kind of like, oh, you're enjoying it and, um, yeah, that's about it. And He'll come and watch some games here and there when he's got time, which I really appreciate. But, um, yeah, it's funny how you get a little bit older and you, you um, kind of learn your roles. <laughs>
1: The support proved fruitful, Lisa, in the season of 2010-11 when you debuted for New South Wales at the age of 18. Was that out of the blue for you? Was that a complete surprise?
0: It was a little bit. I debuted um, at North Sydney and it was against Tasmania, I think. Um, and <clears throat> that was between, I think it might have been like a CAFs I had a maybe an English exam the day before for my HSC, and then a CAFS exam the next day, and um, yeah, I, I the the exams didn't even matter. <laughs> I can't even I see I can't even remember what they were, but I remember that I debuted for the Breakers at North Sydney Oval against Tasmania, and I knew you know what I did and who played in my team, and <laughs> don't remember the school, um, the important HSC exams. So. There you go, it was, um, I was surprised and I, I had a fantastic time debuting with some fantastic athletes.
1: Did you feel at that point, Lisa, that you had really made it as a professional athlete or did you know that there was going to be a lot of work to come?
0: Yeah, definitely the latter, I just felt like, especially when you, you know, you debut and you see the caliber of athletes around you and you see the, what they're capable of, um, especially your own teammates you know, the likes of Al Blackwell and Lisa Stelaker and Elise Perry and Elisa Healy, you know, these these names keep popping up, but those were my teammates. And, you know, you just see some of the incredible things that they do and how, you know, you just want to be able to do that. So it was definitely like a, wow, I'm so lucky, but, geez, I've got a long way to go here.
1: And shortly after, Lisa, you left cricket, what shaped that decision for you?
0: Yeah, so I um, I debuted for New South Wales, and then the next year after my HSC, I moved to Sydney and decided to pursue a career in cricket. Um, even though at that time we weren't being paid, so you just kind of did things. I think you've got you got match fees if you happen to make the eleven and and get to play um and i i moved to sydney to pursue pursue the sport was trying to study um nursing and work i think two other jobs at the time um and and train you know two to three times a week pretty demanding um and just pretty much just couldn't handle it um, was pretty depressed at the time and didn't really know how to talk to people and when performances started to drop that there was a big correlation there with me with I guess self-worth and how I performed on the cricket field was you know depicted my self-worth and you know when I didn't prioritize my life very well and then performance starting to drop then you know it all just was this trickle-on effect so I just made this really kind of rash decision to go, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go up north. I'm gonna go up north to the outback of Australia and I'm gonna get away from here and I'm gonna get away from cricket and I'm gonna go as far away as possible and I'm gonna do something completely out of the blue. And it's funny because in hindsight, as, as rash a decision it was, it was probably the best one I've ever made and to what's kind of led me down this path of growing as a person.
1: You talked about kind of the tough times and I guess the pressures from work, study and playing. How were you first able to to find help? Was it a friend or a family member or or did you seek professional help through those times?
0: I I remember I eventually got some professional help, but I think it was just a little bit too late. Um, Too late in the sense that I'd already kind of made my mind up about going up north and I got some professional help and I think that was off my own accord. Um, and it's when I went to the psychologist, I remember distinctly her saying to me, you know, you've got depression um, and that being like a, oh, no, I don't think I do, you know, and just not really having a very good, I guess I uh, wasn't really educated on mental illness and what that looked like and what that entailed and, um yeah, I just remember kind of brushing it off and still trying to work all these jobs. And it was just a little bit too late. Um, and probably a little bit accompanied with my mentality around mental illness and, and you know, really scaling back all the things that I was doing and looking at why I was in Sydney and um, this fortunate position that I was in to then, and all these hours that my family, had you know, put in for me that I was going to go up north and do something
1: completely different. Lisa, what advice would you have for other people, um, not just in sport, in day-to-day life, who, especially in this day and age where where everyone's so accessible and so contactable, it's very hard to almost have that peace of mind. What advice would you pass on to people who are maybe feeling the pinch from work, study, social life, and, and just generally doing it tough?
0: Gosh, um, there's so much there. I mean, you know, especially at times like this, and it's, you know, the levels of mental illness and, you know, just generally not feeling great are just escalating so much. Um, I think there's two things. I think number one would be do the best you can to say something to someone in any capacity they may, that might be. Um, just to have that conversation with someone, you know, and, um let them know how you're feeling you know be honest um, if things are going really bad say they're going really bad um and just kind of opening that door with someone it's amazing um, how much of a release that can be on, on on that burden to yourself um and and you know the help that they may be able to provide might surprise you and number two would be that as bad as it is at the time, things can always, you know, it can always get better. That would be the other bit of advice. And, you know, you just got to hold on. (laughs) As sad as that may sound, you just got to hold on because it does get better. And, you know, when you can open that door with someone or be a little bit honest, you know, it's amazing the help that's out there now that can help you get through something like this.
1: Yeah. Your, dad, your dad's words of stick with it ring true right through those kind of times that the, the light is at the end of the tunnel
0: yeah 100% even though you know every fiber in you can sometimes say you know you can't you can't stick with it you just have to you know there's no other option um so yeah it's funny you know how those kind of words you know and that's well, probably I'm so fortunate to come up with you know grow up with parents who instilled that on me that You know, I'd hate to think if I'd thought any differently through some of those really tough times, you know, I may not be here. So I've been so fortunate to grow up, especially with a father who instilled that upon me just stick with it, just stick at it. And I've met people um, recently in my life who've just said, Lisa, you have this innate ability to just keep going, you know, you just keep pushing, you just keep pushing. Um, and, you know, I might not make big leaps and bounds, but, you know, small steps and those small wins. And that's from Dad saying, just stick at it. So I think you're right, Jono.
1: <laughs> Your time up north, as you said, you spent five years on cattle stations in Queensland and the Northern Territory. What did a standard day involve up there for you, Lisa?
0: Were long days. <laughs> um, for anyone who knows, you know, that, kind of outback life and those big cattle stations. Um, A standard day would probably be getting up at, you know, 4.30am, breakfast at, say, Um, 5. We'd have, we'd then go over to the sheds and get a bit of an update on the day or we'd be out catching horses and loading horses up ready to muster Um, or, you know, So many days entailed different things but all we'd be in the yards all day so from you know dusk till dawn we'd be in the yards working cattle um running away from cattle getting charged by cattle um branding all day really kind of physical jobs um really long days uh getting thrown off horses multiple times and um but geez i learned so much and it was like got thrown in the deep end Um, but I can't speak highly enough of my time up there and it's just so funny how I went up there and it was like I was in a team um, much like sport just got thrown in the deep end a little bit I was nervous just like I get in sport Um, and you just got like this task at hand for the day when you go over to the shed and learn what you've got to do to for the day it was just like you know this is your team list and this is who you're playing and this is how we're going to do it. Um, So it was just funny how there was so much correlation there with sport, um, which is probably why I took a liking to it pretty much straight away and probably a big reason why I ended up staying there for so long.
1: And life as a Jilaroo, as you said, it's it's long days, it's hard work. But did you thrive in, at that point, that was your single focus. You didn't have the pressures of... Of sport, um, you know, social pressures, the pressures of study. Did you thrive in that single focus lifestyle? I guess.
0: Yeah, I think I did, and what I loved about it was it was kind of like when you go from primary school to high school, and you go from being, you know, this senior student to and having, you know, all these pressures on you being a leader. Or at the time, I was a school captain. to then you go into Year Seven and when I went up north, it was just like, I don't know anything, um, teach me everything. There's no expectation. There's no response, some responsibility, but very little compared to what it was at cricket. And, um, you know, no, um, no pressure to just, all I knew was I had to work hard. And if I applied myself and worked hard and looked after myself, um, then I'd I'd make a living up there, which is what I did and why I enjoyed it so much. So I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I didn't know how to ride a horse, um, but by the end of it, I was working with breakers and things like that. So um, yeah, I just I loved that. No pressure. No pressure to to be this exemplary, you know, outback stock woman. Um, you just learn from the bottom and you work your way up, and I loved that about it.
1: Did you see it as a forever job or did you have a timeline in mind of how long you'd be up there?
0: Uh, I probably didn't look too far ahead to be honest. I just knew what I was, I went from being in this period of my life where I just, I just hated who I was and I hated that my performance on, you know, on the cricketing field equaled, um, I guess, my worth as a person. And then I went up north and I just was like a complete flip of you've got so much to learn here and you work with some amazing people um, and just the quietness and the serenity, I guess, but, um, yeah, the quietness is just the land. There's something soothing about it. There's something, um, it's almost medicinal um, that, you know, there was no pressure there, so... Yeah, I often reflect and think, could I go back up there and do that? Um, and I do miss it, especially in the hustle and bustle here in the city. Um, I do miss it and as a big contrast. Um, but I think towards the end of the time that I spent up there, it just become more apparent to me that I wanted to study and I wanted to further myself um, and, you know, come back to my family and... Um, make amends somewhat to, you know, just kind of up, up and leaving um, and come back to, I guess, where my mother was buried and things like that, I think, really drew me back to wanting to be back around civilization and furthering myself um, through study and doing, yeah, taking a different path.
1: Do you think, Lisa, you know, down the track, if you choose to, to start a family of your own, that you'll encourage your kids at that age, you know, the kind of early twenties to, to get outdoors, to travel, to immerse themselves into nature as a, as a way to grow as people?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I often thought at the time, you know, I can see why my dad, I can see why my dad, you know, probably is a bit skeptical about this, um, just from a safety point of view and a, and a you know, kind of, he could see, the ability that I had at cricket and what I had to give there. And I could see that he's going, you know, you're giving away something here that you could potentially really make a go of. Um, But I knew in my heart of hearts that I needed to go and um, I guess learn about myself and learn about other people and my relationships with other people and, and, you know, be in that outback environment where it stretches for miles and miles and miles and there's no one there and learn my place um, in the world. And it's a very small part, um, but, you know, can make big change. So yeah, I <laughs> I would definitely encourage them as long as they're being safe. Um, there was definitely some elements up there that, you know, I had some close calls and um, you kind of look back on, on them now with, you know, they're humorous, but at the time it probably wasn't. So um yeah I, I would definitely encourage them to go and learn about themselves and learn about culture and learn about the world and um you know really ring what they, their life dry which is what I felt like I was doing when I was up there was you know really living my life um, which I think is so important
1: did you notice Lisa when you Came back to your hometown, back with your friends and family. Did you feel like you were a different person, or did people comment that perhaps you you were different? Like you said, maybe more more grounded through that experience.
0: Um, No, not not really. I mean, I probably didn't really have any really strong relationship. Um upon coming back where people could probably be really honest with me like that. I mean, I've definitely got that I was more quiet um, more kind of softly spoken. um, And I think a lot of that was just learning about, you know, about other people, about um, you know, the world and, you know, seeing how other people live and learning about culture. And um, yeah, I just think it, it made me think a little bit more about not just sport being you know, the, the be all and end all, it's just there's so much more to everything. Um, so yeah, I definitely got that, that I was more quiet, more reserved, um, a little bit more inclined to watch before I speak and um, I probably got that most. Um, but no, as far as um, I've, I've probably become more resilient now in the way that I play sport, Um, But, yeah, uh, I I couldn't answer that one, sorry. This is the Passion of Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media.
1: For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's The Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, The Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Whilst you were away, Lisa, the the rise of women's cricket was uh, astronomical, especially through the Women's Big Bash League. Um, you came back and you debut with Sydney Thunder in uh, WBBLO3. How did that occur? Yeah, so
0: I come back in the, I think it was the 16-17 season to play cricket. And it occurred because I moved to Bathurst back home from being up north. And my local um, kind of Western zone outfit that coaches, like there's a, Western Zone coaching program there and I'm I'm still quite good friends with some of the people that coach there. Marie Cornish and um, Carolyn Sheehan contacted me and said look you're in town you want to come and help out do you want to come and coach and I was like yeah no worries and I was there and coaching one day in Orange at Kinross Wallowary and there was a link there with Penrith and Michaela and Naomi from Penrith Cricket Club come out And I'd actually played cricket previously with Naomi at Campbelltown. And she said, you know, LG, do you want to come and play at Penrith? Um, And I thought, oh, yeah, I can come and have a run on a Sunday and roll the arm over and didn't really think anything of it too much. You know, I knew that I wanted to play hard. um, And I played there for the season. And next season I was, um, well, later on in that season, was lucky enough to gain... Um, some training sessions with I guess the rookies if you like and then the next year I was um, fortunate enough to gain a breakers contract where I think they kind of watched me train and um, watched me bowl and Joe Broadbent said would you like a thunder contract so um, here I was from kind of zero having watched it on tv one year to then the next year being in the comp Um, and I was completely a deer in the headlights that first game Sydney uh North Sydney Oval again um I seem to have a weird attraction with that oval but here I was on North Sydney Oval and first game against the Renegades and I think there was around maybe five or six maybe a few more thousand people and never in my life would I have thought that five or you know here I was playing cricket in front of 7,000 people and they were here to watch our game. They weren't here because there was a men's game after. They were here watching female sport, a double header, the WBBL, and I was just like a deer in the headlights. Um, But it was just a special moment for me, like just thinking, you know, "This this is great. This is the pinnacle of, you know, apart from playing for Australia, this is the pinnacle of female sport in that people are coming to watch this. We're actually attracting viewers on screens. We're attracting people to come watch this brand of cricket. And yeah, I just remember thinking, whoa, like it's been from zero to a hundred really, really fast, but I'm so lucky um, to be able to be here and run out on the ground in green.
1: Was that spark there for you, the love for the game? Had that come back?
0: I think running out onto the ground just made me go, like, it took it to an, probably another level for me in realising that, you know, this is what the men have been doing for years and this is how they feel and they can present their job, you know, out on um, an oval and show display their, um, I guess, ability. And, yeah, it was amazing that it, t- it probably took it to a whole other level for me of... Um, you know, I love this before, but being able then to showcase it is something even more special.
1: Lisa, you mentioned prior to the chat that for you coming back and, and having the faith in your ability and to show resilience was quite tough. Why, why was that difficult for you?
0: I think, one, because I was so scared for it to fall apart again. Um... And I was had this kind of thinking that, you know, when I come back, people will be like, oh, she's the girl that gave it away and have this thought of me that was only ever in my head. It wasn't actually the way that people, people were so welcoming and so, I just remember receiving so much support and and love for just being back in the, back in the fold, if you like, and back playing. And I just remember I had this notion in my head of, you know people aren't going to like this and you know I'm just going to be I I kind of almost thought that people are going to judge me here because it coincided with money being back in the game and I it's funny because I've spoken about that before with people and they just have said to me Lisa we we never ever that hasn't even crossed our minds and it just was so in my head that when I come back, it was almost like I needed to prove myself and prove, you know, I, I can play and I'm, I'm not going to fall apart again kind of thing and put, a, again, a lot of pressure on myself. So um, I just, I was almost scared of how people would perceive it. Um, but in coming back now and being now back for four years, I realised that every, it's, everyone's been so supportive and really,
1: really good about it. And as you said, it's been four years on the trot um, playing professionally around Australia. What role do you see now when you go back to your Penrith Cricket Club training sessions? What role do you see for yourself there?
0: Yeah, so I actually, I love going back to Penrith um, and playing there. Um, And I've played there since, you know, I've come back to the game in 2017, 16, I think it was. It's a while ago now, um, yeah, and I've played there since. And I love going back to Penrith because it just, it, you know, you, you're in this environment where you want to harbour young people and young girls coming through that can see the game and enjoy the game for it being inclusive, a place where they can come and enjoy the sport um, with other females um, and play good hard cricket and learn something. And it, do, it doesn't necessarily have to be a skill. Um, it can just be about themselves and becoming a woman and becoming an adult and, um, you know, learning the learning some values. And I think I play a pretty pivotal role in that at Penrith with instilling those values, you know, helping leave those values at the club and helping display that as a leader. Um, and also, you know, helping other leaders in the club and, um, and just you know, playing good hard cricket and going to training and helping girls out. So I'm really lucky that I have the opportunity um, to be able to do that, especially with it aligning with where I'm from and um, having that link there with Western Zone and we get girls that travel out. We've had a two, uh, sorry, a girl traveled from Broken Hill to come and play at Penrith, um, which is amazing that, you know, I have the ability to, to help her grow as a person and grow and, and see cricket as an ability to be able to have a career and um, enjoy it. Um, and it's, you know, that's all through just a sport. So, so lucky that, you know, I'm there and help get girls in the Western Sydney region enjoy cricket.
1: Do you see yourself taking on coaching roles in professional cricket once your playing days are done?
0: Yeah, so um, I'm currently studying my level three um it's taken me a little bit to get there um but yeah I I love coaching um I love I love the way it's made me think about the game and put on a different heart as opposed to my player's heart where I put a lot of pressure on myself and I think it enables me to see it from a different perspective um and not just one where you know it's all about me it it enables me to get me out of my own head and, you know, almost see the likenesses in these kids that I'm coaching and go, hey, it's okay. It's okay to make a mistake and it's okay to... So just keep trying, you know, stick at it. Just keep trying. You'll get it. You'll get there eventually. Like, we've just got to keep trying. And I love that because it enables me to, you know, try and, you know, take my own medicine a bit because I've had my own struggles with that. Um, So... And that and just being able to give back to the game, you know, I feel like cricket's given me so much, um, so many friends and so many opportunities and, you know, even just talking to you, you know, that's through cricket. So um, coaching is just one avenue that I can be a really good person and hopefully pass on some skills and um, help, help others enjoy the game as well.
1: It's been an incredible journey for you, Lisa, especially looking back you know, on the past 10 years with some incredible triumphs and some you know, really big challenges for you. Do you take the time to look back and reflect on the journey you've been on?
0: Uh, not enough recently, I don't think. I feel like I'm so busy trying to... <laughs> Um, live this fast paced life in Sydney I probably only really reflect on it in conversations like this or you know when somebody asks me about something up north and I'm able just to realize I guess um, the immensity of some of the things up there and some of the things that I've been able to do and you know if someone told me at the start of my life that that's what would happen I'd probably laugh and go nah that that no not me um, so that upon, you know, yeah, I probably think and think that and go, well, yeah, I have done that and it did happen and, um, I'm all the better for it, but yeah, um, I'd love to <laughs> one day write a book or something. I don't know who'd read it, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I've thought about, you know, writing some of it down before it all comes a bit of a blur. Um, but yeah, I'm so fortunate to be able to have conversations like this and fortunate, you know people want to ask questions and want to learn about me
1: do you believe in life lisa that we as people that we find ourselves or that we create ourselves in the sense that do you think the path is laid out for people or that every decision they make in their life is what gets them to that end point
0: uh very much the creator um which is you know why i am a firm believer about um, giving advice to people who are doing it tough is that things get better um, and you have the power to to be able to to change that you have the opportunity to seek help and you have the opportunity to to take a hold of your thoughts somewhat if that makes sense and I think like yeah I'm a big believer that you create your own um, I guess present and Create your own future a little bit. Um, often, you know, there can be some bad things happen, but we can choose to be grateful um, and see it as, you know, the glass half full. And sometimes that's really, really hard um, to do. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think that, you know, we have this predetermined path. I think it's definitely, you know, you choose to, there's there's been years and years and years where I've well there's been quite a number of years where I've chosen to be you know pretty upset about things and think that um, I've been hard done by but as soon as I just changed my thinking around that and and, you know got some help it was amazing how much I learned that I'm the creator of my own future Um, so I hope that answers your question somewhat.
1: And have you found that your priorities in life have shifted, say, from where you are now to even three years ago?
0: Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I think through being a female in sport, I've learnt that to be certainly transitioning into a more assertive person. Um, I don't know if that's just through sport or maturing, <laughs> Um, you just learn, you learn, you, you start to learn your worth. And um, yeah, I, I've been fortunate to work with some really good people that have gone, you know, you are worth something and you, you should be able to see that. Uh, maybe, yeah, like I said, maybe it's just me getting older, but I think that I've definitely transitioned into a more assertive person over the last three years. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see the growth that I've done in three years and where I can take that, say, over the next three. Um, I don't know if that's normal for everyone, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, you know, th- you know, the opportunities that I've had to be a leader or to go and coach or um, to go and do some appearances in some environments where people have been so much less privileged than myself I don't think that I would have grown the way that I have. So, like I said before, that's all come about because of sport and um, the opportunities that I've had to be able to do that. And I'm excited to, you know, see where the next three years lead me and who else I can help and um, what it entails.
1: Lisa, where we're at right at the moment, it's mid-August 2020 and the world's a strange place. and at the same time, though, you, you guys are into the pre-season with the New South Wales Breakers. What, what excites you about probably the next six to 12 months? Like, what's on your radar, both professionally and personally?
0: I think professionally, um, it's exciting to see the growth of women's sport, even through these times. Obviously, it's a little bit <clears throat> unknown. We do know that we're going to do everything we can to get a WBBL comp in this year. and obviously BBL happening Um, and I'm really excited for that to come about because I think hopefully um, it comes at a time when, you know, we're going to be the first kind of tournament coming up on home soil that people go, oh, I can watch cricket again. And um, I'm really excited that the WBBL is going to be that tournament um, coincided with the fact that we've got some really talented young people coming through in our system at the moment. Um, and they're training so hard and so well, and they're just great, great people. Um, And I'm excited to showcase that brand of cricket and and really present that um, not only to Australia, but, you know, and beyond and say females play, we play really good sport. And I think the the past two years I've had a lot of people say to me, um, you know, we really enjoy the WBBL and often it's been, you know, we actually watched more of the WBBL than we did of the BBL and, you know, how close the games were and some of those finals and stuff like that that come down to the last ball. And I just think, like, that that I can't wait to showcase that and for Aussies to be almost excited about or, and, you know, internationally be excited that, you know, we get to watch the Australian WBBL and hopefully that puts a little bit of a dampener on COVID blues and yeah I'm I'm really excited for that and personally um personally I just I just want to continue to grow as a person which I have no doubt I'll endeavor to do um and I just want to I think my ambition would be to for um I often get LG you're a really good person (laughs) it's not always like oh, I remember that FIFA you took or, the, you know, those runs that you scored, it's, it's LG, you're a really good person. So my endeavour this year would be to kind of put my mark on my, with my ability as well, which sometimes is hard. But, um, yeah, I, I want to be able to stamp a little bit of a mark there as well as, you know, continue to be the best person I can be.
1: Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your story on the Passion and Perspective podcast. Um, Keep inspiring those around you and wishing you all the best.
0: Thanks, Jono. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and proudly presented by the Western Weekender.